Hi, welcome to the ministry of Prophet Daniel Jedu, a word and spirit based ministry because we are born of the word and born of the spirit. His God given mandate is to raise babes in Christ into spiritual maturity by a deliberate teaching of the complete and pure word of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit and to take the gospel to the nations of the earth. Prophet Daniel Jedu is the lover of the word and a passionate teacher of the word of God. And his ministry is accompanied by strong teaching, healing, and prophetic grace. All over the world, his teachings are busting the faith of many people and revealing what the mind of God is for them. Many people have come to receive supernatural encounters through his ministry. The message you're about to listen to has been designed specifically to grow you into spiritual maturity. So many people have received testimonies by listening to Prophet Daniel Jedu's podcast. Say your testimony with leaving a write-up of it in the comment section or you can send it to us via email at contact at wordloversglobal.com. Now, Prophet Daniel Jedu walks us through the word. Stay tuned. That is why a lot of prayer and a lot of worship is needed. When you build the atmosphere, all you do is to swim in it. You can have a cockroach voice, but the spirit is already there. Trust me. Those of you that you are invited to places, learn to release the spirit. What can, what can I do to get the spirit moving? Once it does, you can be talking like Papa Deboe. Your people are receiving miracles. People are receiving healings. Yet your voice doesn't sound correct. Your voice, your English is not correct. Because it's not English, it's spirit. The administration of the spirit. And we release it by prayer and by worship. Prayer and by worship. Prayer and by worship. That's why we've changed. We'll learn how to worship. Because I think we don't know. We are more interested in the song ministrations. From artists. Forget it. If it takes one song. We will sing it and minister unto the Lord. Until the whole place is charged with God's presence. Because see, the lyrics are more important, even by the drums. Because sometimes if they don't kick, you are asking you to stop. There is a place you play the drum and you catch the flow. Everything must be in harmony. That's what the book of Second Chronicles says. Everything must be in harmony. Oneness. Oneness of sound. One sound. And I think we need to get to the place where we, we experience and we, we know the spirit. Sometimes it's draining. When you are ministering and the presence is not flowing. And you now have to do two things. Minister the thing and as you are ministering, you are, you are trying as much as possible to try and help build the presence. No man of God likes draining. Because the preaching the word of God alone is energy. Spiritual energy. So you come and the place is dry and you are now coming to... No. So you see, we have, we have work to do. So those who are leading prayer, you don't come and lead prayer with your head. You study scripture because it is the word. The, the spirit is in the word. All your prayers are on word. You, the people are seeing the word with their eyes. You, they read. And they begin to pray the word. The praise and worship team, they are, you, are, you are ministering the word. Look, today churches don't use this one. But when you check peer worship in the Bible, these are the things they used to use. I'm telling you, there was no drum. Keyboard, yes, I saw. Cymbals. These ones, you see them. 
They didn't have a drum. And the Bible says, and God's presence will come down. Today we are lying, we are deceiving ourselves with, you know, uh, what do you call it? Modernism. No, sir. Stick to the Bible way. Stick to the Bible. Light has come for you. Okay, can we go on? Yes, sir. All right, all right. Eliezer would take some, Eliezer would take some of the, its blood on his finger and sprinkle it, what, seven times towards the front of the tabernacle. And this is similar to what we read in Deuteronomy 28. When the Bible says the priest will pick one with a finger and sprinkle seven times in front of the ark of God. And then one time, did I explain the one time? On the mercy seat. I didn't explain the one. Okay. So this seven time is the same. However, then this one speaks of numerical meaning. Seven meaning completion and what? Perfection. So what it means that seven, the blood seven times means that this blood is perfect. It means this blood is perfect. Now we, we, we don't need seven times, seven of the blood. We need one perfect blood. So, the sprinkling of the ground, in as much as it speaks of the place of grace, or the place of blessing, or the place of the blood, it also speaks of what? The perfection of that blood. And the church, and anyone who needs the blood, only need one. You need one perfect blood, not many blood. Uh oh, you don't get it. That is why I said the blood of bulls and goats, which were offered every time. They were offered every time. It couldn't do the job. But the blood of Jesus was what? How many times? Once. Because that blood was the perfect blood. You, you get it now? Yes, sir. Uh -huh. So that's the meaning here. To tell us that that blood, this blood is perfect. This blood is complete. It completely did the job. Hallelujah. You know why it is important? It is important because <laughs> do you know the strength? Do you know what empowers sin? The law. The law empowers sin. And the Bible said the sting, 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 15, 56 or so, he said the sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. So the law strengthens sin. And sin stings you with death. So you see, the reason why you need perfect blood so that salt, Satan or nobody can come in between. Now remember that some of them were declared ceremonially unclean. Which means that around that time they can be struck. And when they are being struck, nothing is protecting. The blood of the animal is not protecting them because they are ceremonially unclean. But for us, that perfect blood once protects us completely from every havoc. Are you with me? Look at it. For sin is a sting that results in death. And the law gives sin its power. So when somebody is going through sin and you try to tell them, stop this, don't do this, do this, don't do that. Because the law is do and don't. So once you begin to show, teach them do and don't, do and don't, do you know what you are doing? You think you are advising them. You are not advising them. You are empowering sin. They are now about to sin proper. What do you do? 
Introduce them to the grace of Christ. Because Titus 2 says that this grace also what? Helps us to turn our backs on sin. This same grace teaches us how to live each day as we turn our backs on ungodliness and indulgent lifestyle. And it equips us and it helps us to live self-controlled, upright, exactly, godly lives in this present age. So introduce them to the grace of God. Yes, sir. If you don't introduce them to the grace of God, they will sin forever. You think you are advising them. You are not advising them. You are teaching them law. And the Bible says law empowers sin. This sin you want them to stop. That's like when people, when you come here, we will never talk about, you know, we will not talk about the fact that even though sometimes we can smell. Sometimes I can smell. I mean, it's, it's nothing. People come to me and I can smell things. Don't you have the spirit of God? God reveals somebody to me strictly in a dream. I don't, I'm not a dreamer. I don't dream. But when I see a dream, it means God is showing me. I saw this person. Even in the dream, I was telling this person, stop. But this person couldn't stop. Wouldn't stop. Wanted to go on. And I said, okay. The person went on and I said, you are expelled from this church. So what would I do? It means that I must increase the grace message. Because see, some people are so kind of that when you call them, it can be you. I say you. This is, the, this is what I heard about you. They will feel so bad. They will not even give you attention for this thing to go. So what do you do? You make sure you don't change the message. You stick with the message of grace. As this person hears, you pray over them. You pray that the message of grace will, you know, by the time you realize, they don't even remember they, they used to do anything. That's what the message of grace is. And Eliezer watches the heifer must be burned. He said, it's height, meat, blood, and dung. Uh-huh. Eliezer, the priest, must then take, now, this is important, must then take a stick of cedar. Do you remember the tree that Elijah went to lie under? Do you remember the tree that Jonah went to sit under? What was the name? The juniper. Juniper is cedar. <laughs> so juniper is cedar. So God uses this tree to represent something. And I'll explain. Now, the juniper or the cedar tree, and then he said a high sub branch. And surprisingly, these are two opposite trees. You will not even consider the high sub a tree. It's like a bush. And then he said some yarns and throw them into the fire where the high fire is burning. Now remember that, thank you Jesus, remember that <laughs> Remember that Jesus is representing mankind. Yes, so this cedar, okay, or the juniper, and the hyssop, and the scarlet is representing men. Now, in Israel, the cedar is one, one gigantic tree. So it speaks of the majesty of the tree. And the hyssop is just like a bush. It's the smallest tree, if you call it, in Israel. So it speaks of the lowliness <laughs> and the glory of man is the, is, the, is the scarlet, the red. That is the glory of man. Now, so what does this mean? Jesus was presenting men. So what was being bent? 
the majesty of men and the lowliness. And even their glory. Why? Because once there is sin, whether their majesty and their lowliness and their glory, they are all filthy as rags. So every one of them must be bent. So man has nothing to offer. Man has nothing. Now look at the statement. Look at how God put it. He said, take this, a stick of cedar and high sub-branch and some scarlet yarn and do what? Throw them. Throw them into the fire where the haifa is burning. In other words, let the haifa burn with all these things because they have no value. In the book of Isaiah, he said that man's righteousness is as filthy as rag. So everything filth must be burnt, including the glory of man. Man has no glory. Before this judgment and this pain, man has no glory. Are you with me? Yes, sir. Let's go on. Seven. Then the priest must wash his clothes and bathe himself in water. Afterwards, he may return to the camp, though he will remain ceremonially unclean till until evening. Now, let me explain. Now, when the Bible says until evening, he's speaking about 3 p.m. And when the Bible says morning, he's speaking about 9 a.m. And surprisingly, according to scripture, Jesus, the first time the nail went into his hand was 9 a.m. And the last time he took his last breath was 3 p.m. So Jesus died in the evening. What does it mean? What it means is that God was telling the Israelites that you remain ceremonially unclean until there is a finishing. Until there is a finishing and the finishing happens at 3 p.m. You, you get it now? That is why when Jesus in John 19 was on the cross, when he had taken our sins, born in, uh, you know, nailed to the cross, our curses and everything, he screamed, it is finished. And that statement was made at 3 p.m. That is what David said, let the lifting up of my hands be as an evening sacrifice. So all Israel were looking forward to what? To the evening sacrifice. Because that is when the whole matter is finished. But the amazing thing is that when Jesus died, everything, both morning and evening, finished. Because in their time without Jesus, anytime it is finished in the morning, in the evening, the following day it continues. There must be a morning again. But glory be to God. There is no morning again. Jesus finished it. Don't you know what the Bible says? He is the author and finisher of our faith. He is the alpha and the omega. He's the starter and the finisher. Jesus finished it. Hallelujah. Jesus finished it. I said what? Jesus what? He finished it. He finished it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He finished it. Have I spoken about ashes? Okay. Okay, beautiful. Uh-oh. Aha. Uh -huh. So, all of them realize that they are all ceremonially unclean until evening. Ceremonially unclean. So, which means that even if they are ceremonially un 
unclean, and they go through the morning, they are still unclean. Because the morning doesn't finish it. The beginning of the whole show starts from the morning. So during the, the year of Jubilee, the trumpet, the horn of the ram is sounded at 9 a.m. the morning. During the morning sacrifice. So at 9 a.m., they will blow the horn of uh, uh, yeah, the horn of the ram. And you know what the horn of the ram means? He's talking about the ram in its own horn. So he's saying that horn. The ram stands for Christ. And it's horn, meaning Christ died. And through his death, that is when we can receive the, what, the horn. And so the sounding of the horn was a declaration that Christ died. And in, in his death, we receive what? Forgiveness. We receive freedom. Can you see that? So it was a symbolism. And so when Jesus was on the cross, as he died, his blood depicted that all men were free. All men were free. So ladies, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, the blood of Jesus cleansed you. If I let me use the word, the blood of Jesus bathed you. Okay? So you are ceremonially clean. And it is finished. You can never Ever be ceremonially unclean. Yes, sir. Because he finished it. Yes, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I pray you understand. Go on. Go on. He said, then someone who is ceremonially clean will gather up the ashes of the heifer and deposit them in a purified place outside the camp. They will be kept there for the community of Israel to use in the water for the purification ceremony. This ceremony is performed for the removal of what? Sin. You see that? Yes. Uh-huh. It's for the removal of sin. Now I want to talk about the ashes. Why, why should they pick the ash? <laughs> now listen. The ashes means that Whoever this animal was sacrificed for, this is the penalty. This ash you see here, it has served the sentence. It has gone through the judgment. It has gone through the penalty. Which means, this ash cannot be bent again. You don't know how much you have been forgiven. Who can burn an ash? Can you burn an ash again? This is this is what Jesus, this is what he became for us. So the ash into the water, the ash into the water signifies that this animal or this person on which the water will be sprinkled. It is as though he has gone through what the animal went through. And so this animal, whose body and everything has been burnt to ash, cannot be burnt again, don't you understand? If you understand this one, then you understand Romans 8.1. 
there is therefore now no condemnation because the ashes cannot be bent again. This is an evidence that this man, this woman has gone through the penalty. He has, judgment has been passed. Judgment has been passed. He has gone through the fire. He has paid the penalty. Now he's an ash. So you see, the blood signifies receipt. The ash signifies sentence observed. Oh, you didn't hear that? The blood signifies receipt. It, the, see, look at me first. The blood signifies there is an ash. <laughs> the blood signifies there is an ash. So the blood signifies that it's a receipt that penalty has been paid. And how do I know the penalty has been paid? I'll show you the ash. That's how come after burning, even the sin offering, they don't throw away the ash. They collect the ash and store it as an evidence that you have gone through the penalty. So there is therefore now no condemnation. So the reason why nobody, God can judge you twice is because when God sees you, he sees the ash as well. And you cannot be condemned twice. You cannot be sentenced for the same thing two times. It's called what? Double jeopardy in law. The reason why no born again is going to hell is because the price that has been paid was once. And if God can bend the ash, then, then yeah. But it is impossible. So if you never understood Romans chapter 8 verse 1, this is it. When Paul said, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Because he was the, our best offering. His one time perfect blood. is our receipt that there is. And he died. He was buried. But he was raised for us. Go on. Uh -huh. So I was talking about the ashes. Okay. And then he said, and he will remain ceremonially unclean. And he remains ceremonially unclean until evening. So you see? <laughs> so he's waiting for the what? The perfect day of finishing. Now, we the church, we the church, we are not looking for finishing. You know why? Because we are after the cross. The finishing took place here. Israel, they were here. They were looking forward for the finishing. So Israel looks up to the cross. We look back to, at the cross. So how do you live your life now? Live your life here with the proof of the ash and the blood. Yeah. Yeah. This is the New Testament before you. Go on, go on. They must purify themselves on the third and seventh day with the water of purification. Amazing. Now you are seeing the words here, third and seventh. What are these? Third and seventh. What are these? Now let's read the context. It said they must purify themselves on the third day. Not on the first, not on the second, but on the third. And seventh day with the water of purification. What is the water of purification? That is the water in which the ash is found. If the ash is not there, it's not complete. It becomes normal water. 
it means that <laughs> what is contained in the water is the most important. Like the pool of Bethesda. When the angels stares, that is when they are healed. When the angel leaves, he doesn't take the pool away. The pool is still there, but nobody gets saved. Until, so it's not about the water. It's about what is in the water. Okay. But if they do not do this on the third and seventh day, they will continue to be unclean even after the seventh day. What is God talking about here? Thank you, Jesus. Now, what God is talking about here is that, you know, the church will be raptured on the third day. And Jesus is coming back on the seventh day. We that are purified on the third day, we shall be caught up. But when we are caught up, there will be some here. The unbelief, those who are not listening to the word. Those who think we are joking. Some of them will believe now. Then they will receive Jesus. Once they receive Jesus, unfortunately, they will have to go through the, three and half, the next three and a half years. What Daniel prophesied the 70th week. That is seven years, three and a half years and three and a half years. This war you are seeing should give you an, a, an idea of what is about to happen. Because in the last three and a half years, men are going to go through the dreadest time, the most painful time that any human, just like Jesus' death, was a death that no man, no man has ever gone through. If you have relatives who are not saved, if you have friends, that is, this is what, why we have to go out and preach the gospel. Because there's coming a day. There's coming a day. Even the third day will not help them. Now, the third day means that these are the people who are purified. And so they are saved. For us now, we have entered our third year. We are not waiting for the seventh. Though we shall be part of the seventh. Jesus shall rapture us, the church. And those who did not receive Jesus or have not received Jesus. And those who have not received Jesus. They will now believe the gospel and receive Jesus. Now, when they receive Jesus, they have also been purified on the third day. Yeah. However, they must wait. They will have to go through the tribulation. The Bible calls it great tribulation. Until the appearance of Jesus. The reason why I'm saying you will be found on the seventh day, you and I are not about to ascend on the seventh day. We are coming on the seventh day. But those who are now who are, who will receive Jesus after we are raptured, they will now. They are the ones the Book of Revelation was talking about. He said, "Who are these?" And he said, "These are the people who wash their clothes after the great tribulation." You get it now? Because during the great tribulation, we we are not going to go through anything, pain. No, no, no. We shall be raptured. But for them, they must go through pain. Said, I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they, these are they, which came, they came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. You get it now? Yes, sir. Have we done this? Yes, we have. So we have gone through the third day. What are we waiting for? To be caught up. Now when we are taken, then those who remain here, they will now have to go through the third day and the seventh day. 
But there are still some who will still remain, who will not receive Jesus. So they will continually remain ceremonially unclean. And what will happen to them? The Bible says they will be cut off outside the city. So there are those that are going to go to hell and the lake of fire. Do you see it now? Yes, sir. Alright, so I've, I've made it easy for you. So let's go back. They must purify themselves on the third day and the seventh day and the water of purification. Then they will be purified. Then they will be purified. <laughs> That's why I said they wash their robes. They wa- it means that they, they must bear the pain. And it's a do or die. Whether I will stand. So the Bible says those people, they must, they must persevere until the end. They must endure until the end. If they are not able to endure to the end, they lose it. Why? Because now is the time. Look, this thing that's about to happen. Now God, Jesus, is declaring the acceptable year. Now all of us sitting down here who have received Jesus, we are ceremonially clean. But you are not purifying people to make them clean. You are, not, you are being selfish. You are not purifying people to be, to be ceremonially clean. But if they do not do this on the third and seven days, they will continue to be unclean even after. So even, even after Jesus had come, during the second, they will still remain unclean. Do you know what Antichrist will make them do? They will gather to fight Christ. And the Bible says, from the mouth of Christ, and all of them will be destroyed. Look, it's not anything your eyes need to, to look at. It's not something your eyes need to behold. This, this is what pushes us to do what we are doing. Doctor saves life. If they don't save life, they help to restore some things. We, we save life. Thank you for listening to this message. We believe you have been blessed by it. We are Word and Spirit and we invite you to worship with us. You will fall in love with our Wednesday teaching service, Christian Rayma 9 at 6 p.m. Encounter the supernatural in our Friday services, dubbed Night of Bliss at 6 p.m. And sit under the reign of heaven in our Furnace service on Sunday at 8 a.m. Follow the Prophet of God on his official Facebook page, Prophet Danny-L Jedu, and on Instagram as Prophet Danny-L Jedu. For videos, you can subscribe to his YouTube channel. Prophet Daniel Jedu's book, Partnership with the Lord is Out, and it's selling fasting prints and on Amazon. This book has all you need to help you assess your God-given right. You can contact Word and Spirit International, contact services on plus two three three five four seven two two one seven seven three or plus two three three five zero four three two eight nine five nine for any inquiries so many people are listening to prophet daniel jedu's podcast on podbean and many have received testimonies by listening we want you to share your testimony with us by leaving a write-up of it in the comment section or sending it to us via email to contact at wordloversglobal.com you were made to from glory to glory and your testimony is about to shake the world you are blessed